0: I know it's only Wednesday, but because of the timeliness of the issue, I felt like I needed to get this one out ASAP. Now, don't worry, I'll still be releasing another episode on Saturday as well. It's just one of those weeks you're going to get two episodes. Now, if you're a Mormon, and unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure you've heard the noise about Tim Ballard and the dust up he's having with the LDS Church. What this seems to be doing is dividing people into camps and factions inside all of Mormonism. Well, today I have Justin Frankham on. To help not just break down the story, but also get down to the root of the problem here. And it all comes down to one thing, and that's idolatry. Stick around for some analysis on this situation. I don't think you're going to get anywhere else. That's next on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Look, it's no secret that our society has become much more crude and coarse. To become and raise men and women of virtue and character is a Herculean task. To help with this, I have recently wrote and published a book. Now, back in the 1700s, Washington had a book called Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior in Company and Conversation. It was a book with 110 rules that talked about how to conduct yourself like a civilized person in society, something that today's society is sorely lacking. What I did is I went back through the book and I reinterpreted his original sayings for the 21st century. So the book is laid out in a way in which you see Washington's original rule. Right below that is my explanation for the 21st century. And below that, you'll find two or three examples of where to use this in the real world. Now, to go along with this, there's a workbook that helps parents teach these principles and practices to their kids. To find the book, go to mormonrenegade.com, go to the bottom of the page, search out the blog post, and order your copy today. I can bear personal testimony from personal experience that this is an invaluable tool to help you raise men and women of virtue and character. You're listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Justin, back again. What is this now? Like five or six times, right?
1: Yeah, it's been quite a bit.
0: You Well, I think we could just always have such good conversations that we can't help. And have you noticed that with the exception, well, I can't even say with the exception of but we seem to jump on like the really timely topics. I was thinking about that too, right? Because mm-hmm. it was, you know, um, defending Joseph Smith. And then it was, we rolled like literally our next one was that big shooting in Uvalde. Oh, yeah. And then we did that one on Elder Haney. And <laughs> and now we're we're on to this one right so we we i i think we've discovered a pattern i don't think we set out for it to be that way but somehow it's just always the current stuff that you and i seem to talk about
1: yeah i guess uh i like to keep my ear down on what's kind of going on in the world i guess and uh and i i like to think about it a lot
0: right right dude so yeah this is going to be on current events again folks um and i wouldn't feel like i wasn't doing a service here or 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 honest if I didn't approach what's going on with Tim Ballard, the LDS Church, Glenn Beck a little bit, and everything that's involved there. Now, we're not gonna go into in-depth on Ballard much tonight. Um, I will say this, and, and I don't take any glee in this, I don't take any joy in this, because I, I was just telling Justin before we started recording that i'm I'm kind of bummed because I thought Ballard was the one of the good ones. I really did. I thought, well, that's an honest dealer. But there seems to be some fire here as well as smoke. and we'll we'll dive more into that in another episode. But there's something bigger at play here. And Justin and I wanted to talk about that because I feel like there's there's bigger things at work here than just Tim Ballard and maybe a pissing match with the LDS Church so that's yeah that's what we're going to talk about
1: absolutely well it it lines up with some other uh, you know some of the other news is uh over the last over the weekend was uh donald trump kind of coming out on on the uh, abortion issue in a way that is kind of upsetting um and so i think all of this these these uh these concerns and disappointments all kind of are centered around the same kind of principle right uh and that's really what's been on my mind and heart a lot, actually, that for the last uh, probably few months. I've been telling you that um, I'm actually kind of concerned about our country and the people in this country, and uh, and I'm concerned about idolatry. Yeah. I feel like there's a, a very idolatrous spirit, and it's it's making, taking good people and uh, and twisting their efforts and their hopes and their desires and their ideals and it's leading to in a sense uh the destruction of our nation
0: you know justin i i really feel like and and i'm not trying to pin you know play the game pin the tail on the apocalypse because that's a losing game right (laughs) people people have been saying you know oh the end is near for a long time however i'm gonna say this i don't think i can remember certainly in my lifetime a more I can't even say tumultuous, right? Because I think in some ways, 9-11 was more tumultuous in, yeah. the, in the immediate. But what I will say is I don't think I can ever remember a time, and I'm 45 now, so I've had a little bit of time, but I certainly can't remember a time when I have felt things this unstable for folks. Um, everything that I feel like people thought they could rely on is now turning liquid, right? Everything that was solid, is now becoming liquid and unstable, um, and it 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 does have a feel. And again, not trying to play pin the tail on the apocalypse, but it does have kind of that third Nephi feel to it, right? A lot of intrigue, yeah. a lot of instability, both politically and spiritually. And we are living in a time now where where I think I I think these are some of the times that some of those ancient prophets foresaw.
2: Right, yes.
0: and and as we talk about this, I think it's important that we that maybe we frame it in that mindset of everything that people thought they could rely on, um, that's man made. I should say, is is about to turn to liquid. It, it you know the the Lord's going to expose it for what it's it what it is. Both you know whether that's church or state. The other thing, and I like the way you put this when you and I were having our phone conversation today, idolatry, because sometimes, you know, look, I think when people think about idolatry, they're like, they worship their cars now, right? Because let's face it, for the most part, I should say the most part, because I have heard of a few crazy things, but for the most part, people aren't worshiping statues of Baal any longer, right? Right but yeah for the most part (laughs) for the most part i have heard some crazy crap but for the most part right so today i think you know when we think of idolatry we think of just people who put worldly things in front of god right but that's too simple of an answer right and and the reason i say that's too simple of an answer is because the adversary is crafty right he's not stupid you know, we all wish he was stupid, but he's not. He's crafty, he's cunning. And so the kind of aisles that we're going to talk about today, I think are gonna rock some people a little bit. And that's good because it's gonna rock them awake, right? It's gonna be that jolt, that cold water that that sometimes you need just to get you out of whatever funk or whatever um scenario you're in. So yeah. with, with that, oh. why don't why don't you Why don't you kind of break down this idolatry thing that we were talking about?
1: Yeah, well, so I think when we we, like, like you said, you know, when I was raised in the church, you think idolatry, you think of people, you know, putting worldly things first.
0: Um, Justin, hold on. Before we go there, should we break down for anyone who hasn't heard about the whole Ballard and church thing?
1: Yeah, I think that'd be good. I'd like to clarify, you know, my position yeah. on that. Too. So this, so it's not misunderstood. I, I wouldn't want people putting words in my mouth.
0: On, Perfect. On that. Yeah. So it. let's let's talk about the idol- about what actually is happening right now that's causing this, and then from there, let's roll into the idolatry stuff. Okay,
1: sounds good. So
0: here's my take on this,
1: and this is just my take. You know, you can take it or leave it, but. I've actually been looking into Tim Ballard for quite a while um long before um the movie came out um long before it got that you know the current attention that it, that it's got and I've ha- I had a lot of concerns about Tim Ballard. I I love the cause. I love the excitement that that his organization generates. Um I think it's a very worthwhile thing to do and I think that um, there's not enough awareness about these kinds of problems. So I appreciate the light that that he shines on it. Um, but for myself, I, I have a lot of concerns with the way he's going about that. Um, mostly, I've been concerned about just the honesty. Um, it, I don't, I, I, here's the first thing I don't think Tim Ballard is in this for, I don't think he's in this to, I, I think he believes in the cause. I think he really does care. I think he's trying to make a difference. Um, He's trying to do good works. Um, So first of all, I think he is very sincere in what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, The challenge is, you know, we're told that um, we need to have an eye single to the glory of God. And when we don't, it opens up doors for the adversary to kind of get in and take this what could have been a, a, a very good work and manipulate it into something else, distort it. And that plays upon the the work that you're doing but it also plays upon the individuals um there are a lot of stories especially in utah of the rise and fall of of fill in the blank where you had somebody with a lot of potential to lot do a lot of good they gain a lot of influence i mean heck uh i this is even a little bit before my time and now it's really old so even people do i know what i'm talking about but orrin hatch um i i'd seen some early stuff from senator orrin hatch when he was first a senator that looks actually i mean inspiring very constitutional very inspiring and you know towards the end of his senatorship i mean he was i think one of the most infamous rhinos in the in the senate yeah. and uh how does that happen how do you go from uh you know a dewy-eyed i'm gonna go and 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 save this country and do some good work to absolute cynical sellout i mean uh, that's a process that that happens and i think it happens when our eyes are not single to the glory of god when we have these other desires and intents and motivations behind what we're doing and that's where i run into some concerns with with tim ballard
0: real real quick i i want to explore that just a little bit because i've thought a lot about this i've seen politician after politician do this right i pin my hopes to a guy right like Okay, I think this is the guy. He's got a background in farming, right? This this is the guy Jefferson would have loved to have had in 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 Congress or in the Senate or even President, it, an ag guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, and I have thought about this, and and I lived inside the Beltway for a little while, right, for a couple of years. So you can't live back there, especially in that inside the beltway without running into guys who do lobbying and that sort of thing yeah and i asked a guy who i felt like was an honest dealer once and i won't name names um it's not anybody anyone would know but i'm not sure how excited he'd be to have his name called out in
1: your podcast
0: (laughs) thrown out in a mormon fundamentalist podcast so I'm, i'm gonna be be vague on his name but he was a guy that was in the know right he would Mm -hmm. tell me things that were happening and then a couple days or maybe a week later you hear something about it on the news right so he he knew what was going on he was in the know and I remember I asked him this I said because at the time it was a guy named Jason Chaffetz who was from Utah that I felt like okay this this could be the you know one of the guys right that help us get back on you talked a good game and I'm just like what what happens to these guys. And he says, what happens is, I was like, let me guess, they just get bought off by special interest. He's like, not up front, not up front. He says, what happens is is you go in wanting to make a difference. Right. And so you go in and you do these things, but then you start to compromise a little bit because you say, okay, if I vote no on this, then it doesn't look like I'm doing anything. Then I get voted out and then I can't guarantee who's going to replace me right so maybe if i compromise a little bit here right and i'm not talking about like political compromise in terms of you know healthy debate no, like like you, you were know.
1: saying optics sometimes sometimes there's right? a bad bill and it's not going to pass maybe and but you know your constituents might not understand and you know you're going to get railed by the press if you look like you're opposing this i mean the, yeah let's right. be honest this is the kind of thing happens right. we, we all see this
0: right but what happens is, is that somehow their their pride starts to play into that, right? And I think this is the adversary that creeps in and says, they can't do this without you. You need to be here. So if you just sacrifice a little bit of your integrity here, look at all the good you can do down the road. You can get reelected. You can come back and do these other things. And I think that's how they get co-opted, right? Yeah. And, and I think the same could go for someone who's involved in, in this kind of work, right? I'm sure it's the little things, right? Like, well, if I just compromise myself a little bit here, I can get a little more cash through the door and maybe a little more publicity, which is good for the cause, right? I could totally see how it could happen to the best of us if we're not super careful, if we don't have that eye single to the glory of God. Yeah.
1: a lot of us have this misunderstanding we are we are all broken right we are all broken it doesn't matter who we elect we elect that guy that guy's broken he's human he's human yeah that's just the the state of things and the only remedy to that is is when you have to constantly constantly consecrate your efforts to god and even then you're still going to screw up sometimes sure um, but when you don't, if that if that motivation, if there's a chink in that armor, the adversary will exploit it. And even good people with great intentions and important callings and missions can end up disastrous. I mean, look at the history of the church. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to Sidney Rigdon? Oliver, where's Oliver Cowdery these days? I mean, how did how did that happen? How did these amazing individuals that were so vital in the early days of the Restoration how did how did they fall? It's yeah. tragic. It's, it's heartbreaking, but it does happen. And I it's not a well, I'm better than that. I wouldn't have done No, I would have too. We all would have, you know. This unless unless we constantly keep our motivations in check. And that's why I think that really is the eye single to a glory of God. That's a that's a question of motivation and intent. Right. And it is so easy for that to start slipping a little bit. And you right. might even still be doing the right thing, but doing the right thing with a corrupted intent well that just opens the door and yep. it's little by little by little things can get in there and so yep. i love the mission of operation underground railroad and and what tim ballard presented and i i think that there's a very good chance that he really was very inspired to pursue this this mission and i i cannot deny that there are some very good things that have happened because of because of the work that that organization has done however what what put me a little bit on edge and the con- initial concerns that I've that I've that I've harbored for quite a long while has been more on on some of the overhyping. Um, it's been an, more of an issue of of honesty, and it might you know it might not be is it really that big of a deal to kind of exaggerate one of the stories? I mean, and uh, it sounds better, it's more inspiring. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong that doesn't hurt anybody because. You know, I'm still gonna do this good work and and, and if people if they're more inspired, they'll be more inclined to want to help and get involved. I mean, who loses? If I exaggerate something, if I misrepresent something a little bit and start telling because it's a, maybe it's a better story, what what's wrong with that?
0: That doesn't hurt anybody. well, it it does. it hurts you. It hurts you right right absolutely. So Ballard who who it looks like there could be some fire there as well as smoke
1: yeah so i've i've had concerns um now obviously vice is not our friend <laughs> and a lot of people talking about this are are very rabid anti-mormon um anti-conservative anti-fundamentalist type people um our are, are worst enemies and we, I, you see them attack somebody like tim ballard and you know the initial reaction is oh my gosh um he's under fire um he must uh these must be the bad guys. well we, I know these are the bad guys, so he must be a good guy and I need to and I need to go and and help him and and I need to stand with him and that's what we're seeing right now. That's what at least what I'm seeing right now in mormon in mormondom is there is a a really big uh um what's the word uh a bit there's a bit of a split, and I'm seeing people that are actually questioning the church and the church's uh you know uh statement on this um even even like glenn beck um put out a tweet and uh he pulled it back afterwards but um glenn beck um you know you got those uh what is it the midnight midnight mormons, mormons. yeah midnight mormons <clears throat> and you know i think questioning the church in the in, in the context is 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 very healthy actually um i think there's nothing wrong with i think question everything <laughs> um but there's a tendency to think well the enemy of my enemy is my friend Right, and that's not always that's not always the case either. Um, you know, look back to the like the 2012 election. Um, what a, what a disastrous situation that, that was so depressing to me. Am I going to vote for McCain or am I going to vote for Obama? Hmm. You know, uh, yeah. it's bad choice one or bad choice two. Uh, it, but they were at each other's throats. But yeah. just because Obama was was attacking McCain on on conservative issues doesn't mean that McCain is a conservative. Right. And that's the important thing to remember. So there's a tendency to say, well, vice is attacking him. That's one of our enemies. These other progressive organizations, they're the ones that are doing this. And therefore, he's got to be the good guy. Well, you know, two things can be wrong at the same time.
0: Yep. I was going to say another parallel that I find interesting that I thought of after you and I talked on the phone was this could almost be like a Ukraine Russia thing. Right. Where yeah. where we felt we had to take a side. Right. I mean, poor Ukraine got beat up and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you find out Ukraine's all sorts of corrupt. Right. Now, I, I would say that that probably doesn't give Putin the right to just march in there. But let's and and, and I want to preface this by stop looking for the good guy. Right. There, there's not going to yeah. be one really in this story there is but he's the ultimate good guy let's just put it like that right so stop stop trying to look at this in in that in that very black and white binary kind of of thing right yeah this this takes some critical thought but the stakes are super high and that's why we felt like we had to jump on here
1: yeah so just to be clear um so vice has put out an article with some with some pretty serious allegations and in that article was a statement by the church and that's got a lot of people really kind of confused um but it's i don't think it's really it's not it's not necessarily that complicated um if there's some legitimacy between these and here's the thing i actually think that we have we've just seen the tip of the iceberg right now we don't actually have any idea what the real where this is going um, and, and the stuff that's going to come out with, with Tim Ballard. But I think the church does know. And I think vice knows, I think they've been preparing this for a long time and they are so that they are publishing an article. They're a news organization, right? And they're publishing an article, which has some implications again at, toward aimed at the church and it's standard practice among journalists. Actually I think it's a legal requirement among journalists is to, offer the people involved in the story an opportunity to comment i mean and we know that the media is not really you know unbiased anymore but it kind of it's to the idea is to preserve a certain amount of unbiased unbiased in journalism is here here's we're reporting on the story but here's the parties involved and if they have an opinion on it they need to be able to be heard as well so vice reached out to the church and said hey do you have any do you want to comment we're going to be publishing this information do you want do you want to include a, do you want us to have a comment? That's why I didn't go out to the church newsroom. Cause they're not breaking the story. Um, Vice is breaking the story and the church for whatever reason said, actually, I mean, cause normally it's, it's, yeah, no comment. know, <laughs> you know, when you see these kinds of things, uh, generally speaking, you know, they, they you know, the, you'll see a little thing at the bottom, you know, we reached out to so-and-so and no comment. Okay. This time though, the church said, yeah, we have something to say about this. They They wanted to get in front of this and, in reality, I, I would say that they're trying to retcon this, and that's a pretty extreme take on the church. I mean the church is usually –
0: Explain it, retcon what that is for people who don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically kind of rewrite the history, mm. try to um, uh, rewrite the public narrative on what happened um, in, a, in, a, in a historical type of a context to to paint a different narrative. Um and uh I mean we see a lot of that, you know, we also call it gaslighting and stuff like that. But um um I, and the, the retcon here is the nature of the church's relationship with Tim Ballard because it is it is a very legitimate, real serious relationship that they've had for a for a long time. And um and there's even financial connections to that. I mean, we've got some of the people defending Tim Ballard are coming out saying, Hey, yeah, um, you know, it was elder ballard that actually uh pointed me in tim's direction suggested i ought to go help you know help help out in his cause and so certainly this can't be true um because it was an inspired decision to 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 go there and that's that's the kind of thing and the the thing is the church does not apologize we know that church doesn't apologize that's that's their official stance um but if they are involved in something wrong what they might not apologize but they certainly want to you know, if they can they'll, they'll try to uh, rewrite the story rewrite the narrative and so that's what we're seeing here and that it means it's a pretty drastic measure that's a pretty drastic measure for the church to take if there was if this was all smoke and no fire the church probably would have just said nothing no comment um at 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 best possibly even uh, um defending him and say, I oh, don't know, there's nothing inappropriate in this, and this and this is wrong, and we don't agree with what you're saying here. Um, the fact that, in a sense, the church is throwing Tim under the bus um, indicates that the church sees a very, very serious threat to its reputation. Yeah. And its association with Tim Ballard. And I don't I don't believe the church would do that. And, I mean, there's some stuff. I don't want to get into details, but uh, maybe, maybe some other time. Um, but there are some very legitimate concerns here. And so, it's not that wild to believe that the church would, would would issue a statement on this. And it, the narrative, though, you know, on Tim Ballard's side is he's trying to spin this as well. There's a he he's kind of implying that there's kind of secret combinations in the church, and that they, um, there's something really fishy going on. There's a liberal movement in the church. They're trying to stop me because I'm a hero, and and you know, that's that's kind of just because the church is throwing them under the bus doesn't mean that there's not a, a, a real legitimate issue in, in what what's going on here and i think that eventually it, we're going to see this come out and when it comes out i think it's not going to be very pretty and um yeah so that's kind of what's going on right now and again mormonism is in a bit of a tizzy over this because you know tim ballard's a golden boy
0: right well um, it- and to be fair, Tim might not be wrong with there are secret combinations in the church, right?
1: Well, exactly. And that's the hard part because he can be spinning this in a way that's absolutely correct. There is maybe a liberal movement in the church that's pushing progressive ideas and is trying to stymie the kind of positive impact that that Tim wanted to, at least initially, was 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 championing. But that doesn't mean that he might not also be guilty of something here, and that there might not be a real right. serious problem. And that's that's what you got to watch out for. It's so easy to to pick a side and get caught up in in this kind of tribalism.
0: Yeah, are you team LDS Church or are you team Ballard? Right. Our 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 thrust here will be don't be any of those teams because you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um. Yeah. Here, so let me see if I got my mind wrapped around this just right here. So you have Tim Ballard, who, who again, I believe, started out with the best of intentions. I think that his his organization or or his the organization he used to head, O U R, has done some great work. Um, there was a relationship between him and M Russell Ballard. Um, mm-hmm. They were close. In fact, M Russell Ballard went out of his way to be. The person to set apart tim's son before he went on a mission so yeah. th- th- there is a, close...
1: a blessing healing blessing to his daughter when she was in the hospital i mean yeah they were
0: they were tight this was wasn't tight. just a passing meeting maybe this this was something that had some personal implications
1: and that's the retconning that I was talking about, right? And the funny thing is, even Tim Ballard, you know, he's coming out to say, "No, we had no relationship. We had no relationship." The church is saying, "Well, they seem to both agree on that." And that's the one thing that is kind of verifiably false. One of the one things right. that's just verifiably false in the story,
0: right? And and so, Vice publishes this article, and and again, I, I would agree with you that there's probably more to come. The church sees danger, and the church just throws Ballard under the bus right and so you essentially have these two two things that may not be on the up and up but the problem is at least from my perspective is that you've now thrown a whole segment of the church in complete and utter disarray right who who do they go with and I think the problem lies deeper and and this is what we'll cover too here later on when we get into it is that you kind of pin you, you kind of hitch your wagon to the wrong horse so to speak and we'll dive into that more
1: yeah well well that's exactly right because i mean one one thing to be clear is uh some of the critics of the church right now are saying well this has been done improperly this this is supposed to go through the uh through the bishop and the state president and and that would be absolutely correct if they had excommunicated him but that's not what's going on here. This is a um a, a retconning. And you know, doctrine and covenants doesn't tell us the correct procedure to retcon for the church to retcon a relationship with somebody who turns out to be in a troublesome situation.
0: I don't think you I do retcon it. I, I could never see <laughs> Jesus retconning anybody, right? I think yeah. I think the appropriate thing, you know, if if you really think there's fire there to say, you know what? Yeah, we've been had. And let's be fair, it's not the first time the audience.
1: You're right. But, you know, that's officially not the church policy. They've come out. They do not. The church does not apologize, even if it is wrong and makes mistakes. So that's not an option. That's off the table. Right.
0: Right. And this isn't the first time that the LDS church maybe got taken for a ride by one of its members. I can think back to uh, certainly it was before my time as a Mormon, but I've done my history. Paul H. Dunn right Mm -hmm. the guy who said he was in a war he also said he played for i think the cincinnati reds or atlanta braves one of those teams had great stories come to find out through some digging not not what he said he was right and the church just quietly said you know he's now on emeritus status sort of a thing if i'm not mistaken yeah. And so it's it's not the first time that we've seen this exercise done. Maybe the first time in our adult lives, but this is kind of standard operating procedure.
1: Absolutely, and you got to ask yourself: Well, what's the harm in lying for the Lord? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we talked
0: about
1: we talked about it, right? There's the there's the individual breaking that integrity affects the individual and it opens them up to other things. It it creates weaknesses. The second the second real issue here, though, is that, I mean, there there is a problem in, in lying for the Lord in this kind of a context, because Tim Ball- Operation Underground Railroad is not the only charity out there that's trying to combat human trafficking. Right. But how how many can you think of off the top of your head? How many other uh, child trafficking, anti-child trafficking charities are you familiar with?
0: I can think of four. Now, I'd be hard pressed to name all four, but I remember I just kind of looked at sure, at and you
1: know And some of them might also be Tim Ballard's, too, right? Because he didn't just ha- it wasn't just Operation Underground Railroad, you know, he had the um slave stealers, he had um, well, actually, that's not that I don't think that one's a charity, I believe that's a for profit. Um, um, what was that other one he did with Glenn Beck?
0: The Nazarene Fund,
1: yeah, Nazarene Fund. Um, but there's other people out there as well that are that are fighting this, and we don't even know who they are right they're just quiet unassumed nobody knows but they're but they they're against this. they're opposed to this as well and they're they're combating it in their own way but when you start misrepresenting things to get attention um you're taking you're, you're potentially taking from somebody else you know in, in the free market of, of charities trying to fight something like this if you're misrepresenting your organization and and what you've accomplished and how you've accomplished it, how effective you are, you know, I mean, that's kind of about that. I mean, that's kind of like a, you know, a phone company, you know, misrepresenting their phone and saying, Hey, buy our phone. It does all this and this and you buy it. And then maybe it doesn't, well, maybe you would have bought a different phone if you'd have known that. Right. Right. And and in a charity sense, maybe all the money that operation underground railroads making, if people were actually to look into it, maybe there's actually better places to put that money that might be more effective at accomplishing the solution. And in a free market, that's that's kind of how it's supposed to work. Um, unfortunately, though, in a free market, also in a democracy, as we see, uh, it's very easy to, uh, you know, the the best uh, marketer usually wins. Right. <laughs> the 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 slickest salesman salesman usually ends up with the with the biggest cut, regardless of the quality of of, of a product or an item or a service. And so there are victims as well. There really are victims when you're it's not just uh, on Tim Ballard by misrepresenting things. There's there's there are there are other potential ramifications that can be very damaging. And and you know, and a third ramification is what I would call blackpilling. Because um, and this is the big one, like you know, you mentioned with with um with Dunn. When uh, when you're lying for the Lord and you're building all of this faith on, on, on stories that aren't true. And then those stories come out to not be true. That can be shattering to faith. Yeah. In fact, this is, this is, this is what precipitated my exit from the church. It was a black pilling. It was bad. It was not, it was not ideal. Um, And it was, um, it was these, kind of realizing that oh you know some of these things maybe they were well intended at the time but some of these falsehoods some of these misrepresentations start coming out i mean the most heart, i think i mentioned before and one of the most heartbreaking things to me was um was the uh um bruce r McConkey. and uh I, I i loved him i idolized. i don't you know here we go right i kind of idolized him um i mean oh not bruce Arm down
0: dallin h oaks yeah dallin h oaks the one who was a supreme court justice for utah i
1: think so shoot I'm, I'm suddenly confused it's been a long day
0: <laughs> no no it's good I think um, you're talking about oaks he's the one that's kind of mormon Do-
1: no no mormon did doctrine. mormon doctrine
0: bruce r mcconkey
1: bruce r mcconkey yeah it is McCon- okay it was McConkie. yeah it was bruce r McCon- mormon doctrine i love that book I absolutely loved it and that was very impactful to me in in the early days of my of my faith. And um and I I'd, I'd heard of Adam-God doctrine which is now one of the most beautiful doctrines and 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 glorious tenets of my faith, but I had heard him talk about this in a in a in a letter or no, is it is it a talk at BYU. And and he, you know, he he said it was not true that Brigham Young never taught it. These people are just taking these things out of context. And I just assumed that was true, and I, I believed that. And um, when I actually started reading the Journal of Discourses, um, and I say, wow, it was beautiful. I loved it. The, the doctrine was was beautiful to think that God himself would condescend to this earth in order to bring about his eternal, his, his eternal family. That's just – I love that idea, and it, it speaks truth to my soul. But then it was like, oh, that was lied to. I was lied to about this. And the tendency at the time was well maybe it's all lies. Right. Maybe maybe none of this is true. That kind of nihilistic blackpilling. Um when when we when we've got an idol or somebody that we're idolizing. It might not even be a legitimate thing. It might not be somebody setting themselves up as an idol. When we start thinking that like that guy, that guy He's got it together. He knows his stuff. Every word he says is true, and you know, and the Lord blesses every every you know every step that he takes. And and then we we find out that that's not the case. It can be it can be faith shattering. But why? Well, because where was my faith?
0: Right. Right. It wasn't in 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 Jesus Christ. It yeah. wasn't in God the the Eternal Father. I mean, and and let me say this, I think i think you can still have a testimony of jesus christ and god the eternal father but yet put too much stock or too much faith into a man
1: yeah and i think that's really what we're seeing here is is kind of a a battle of two idols to be honest um on the one hand a lot of people have made an idol out of tim ballard um on the other hand, a lot of people have also made an idol out of the church. And that might seem like a weird idea. Um, <laughs> how do you make an idol out of the church of Jesus Christ? Well, um, the same way you make an idol out of anything. You don't see it for what it is, and you put your faith where you have not been asked to place it.
0: Well, and and let's be clear, right? There's There's historical precedent from Jesus' time where he's talking about this, and it was very similar. It was... The J- temple in Jerusalem, right? It was Solomon's temple where he says, This building's going to come down. And people went into an uproar, into a tizzy. How can you say that this temple will come down? And, yeah. and he's basically calling out that idol amongst, let's face it, God's people at the time, right? This wouldn't be the first time that God's people have decided to put their faith into something other than just the Lord.
1: You know, and that's really fascinating that you bring that up because, you know, in Christ's time, you actually, there were two factions within the, within the Jewish church, so to speak at that time, you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They did not get along. This was, this was oil and water. And there's actually some pretty fascinating parallels because when you look at, you look at the Sadducees, they, they denied the resurrection. Mm -hmm. They, they were very equivalent of the kind of liberal elements within the church that want to just kind of say, hey, you know, we just we can just kind of this is a buffet and we just take what we like and what we want off this table and we can just reject the stuff that we don't like. We it can was just cultural, so.
0: right? It yeah, was well, all cultural. cultural.
1: Yeah. And some of the stuff was culturally not popular. And I think we see that today. We see that with all kinds of issues, especially the LGBTQ issues. Um where there's a lot of modern um mormons that are that they they want that they want to be able to they want that to be an option and uh you know sure they're still members of the church and they they don't have any intention of necessarily leaving but they've got an agenda with that and they're pushing for hey you know let's let's uh let's just throw out the commandments we don't like right because um, i think this is more inclusive that's very much like what the sadducees were doing now, the Pharisees, though, it's not like when Christ was there, he, did, he didn't go to the, he didn't say, you know, um, he didn't really call out the Sadducees nearly as much as he did the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees?
0: They would have been like the conservatives, right? They're the ones pres- preserving. I say preserving because there was a lot of things they added to the law, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but they were the ones kind of trying to keep everybody on. The, the, yeah, they were pretty much the conservatives, right? It, for us, it was mom. For us, it's mom app, you know, America and baseball, right? For yeah. them, their rallying cry would have been Moses, the Torah, and commandments. And, and that's, commandments, that's what they were. Right? they were
1: big on salvation through the commandments and, and right. making everybody, we got to get everybody to obey. Right. In fact, it's so important we get people to obey that let's invent extra commandments to keep them from even getting close to, to to violating the real commandments right um they they're very very extreme and unfortunately it, you know cult-like thing and that's ironically interestingly or, or interestingly enough those are the people that christ called out the hardest because actually the interesting thing was those those were the ones who had the biggest issue with christ I think the Sadducees, to a certain degree, it's like you know we're just kind of cultural Jews, and you know we we've got our stuff. But um, the Pharisees um, were the ones that were really, really threatened right. by the truth. Yeah, um, because they they they're the ones who, I guess, maybe saw themselves as as, as saviors. They're the saviors of the people.
0: Yeah, they saw um, themselves as preserving the right way,
1: and they were gonna they were gonna intercede for everybody. And, and be that that guard to protect everybody and and, and Christ was threatening their monopoly on that and uh, and that I, I think we see I can see at least a lot of parallels today in politics even but especially w- within the church and I don't and I'm not just talking about the Mormon LDS Church either. I mean I'm talking you know, fundamentalism and everything. it's all uh, maybe there's just nothing new under the sun. I don't know.
0: <laughs> no no I, I think you're right. I think you're right and anytime you set your well, let's not forget joseph smith had said one of the reasons israel's minds were darkened is because they refused to go up and meet the lord they said you know what moses you just go do it right and sometimes it's awfully easy to abrogate our responsibilities to someone more qualified right someone oh. to go up and do it and the problem with that is, is that soon you start making idols of those people. Just like I believe, and, and I love Moses, right? I, I can identify, oh, yeah. I can identify with his story about, you know, leaving behind what you were, taking some lumps, and then the Lord working with you and making you into something different. I find that story inspiring. There are certain parallels that I have. I'd never compare myself to Moses, but... I could certainly identify with some of those themes, but you could argue with as many times as the Pharisees talked about Moses and the law of Moses, they had idol. They they turned Moses into an idol. They turned the law into an idol. Yep,
1: the early Israelite they were they were building their golden calf while Moses was up in the mountain. Um, the, but then you know in Christ's time they, yeah they they turned Moses and the and the Ten Commandments into an idol. And yep. that's and that is who christ called out more than anything else and it's interesting too you know if you were an israelite in that day which which camp would you fall in? are you sadducee are you pharisee honestly
0: uh, i mean look honestly if you were if if i'm being completely honest um i would love to say oh i would have recognized jesus for sure i i would have been there but there's a part of me i could absolutely see going kind of the pharisees way right and yeah I think sometimes, especially us as fundamentalists, we can fall into that trap, right? We can certainly turn certain things into idols and make that the end-all be-all of our belief system.
2: hmm
1: Yeah. And so when you look at that, who who are the ones that were following Christ, though? It's interesting. Who Who are the ones that Christ called? that 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 followed him to the end was it was it the great priest was it the no oh, it was the weak it was, it the, was weak. the
0: everyday guys yeah everyday guys
1: and i think what they had going for them that the pharisees and the sadducees didn't have going for them was they were weak and they knew it yeah they knew they were weak i'm just i'm just some broken fisherman i don't have wealth i don't have status um you know, and some of the people following Christ, they were the sinners. I mean, the Pharisees criticized Christ over that. You, you're you're having dinner with tax collectors. What is wrong with you? Right. But I, I I guess the tax collector said, "Hey, you know what? I'm I've got a really crappy job here. I'm kind of a broken individual, and uh, so you know, come help, come help me." The people that were looking for that help, that guidance, and that's who Christ called. He didn't call the Pharisees. He didn't call the Sadducees. Right. Right, And I think there's definitely a lesson there for us to, you know, as we deal with these challenges that the world keeps presenting and these stories and the things that are happening in the news and politics with the church and everything, everything is saying, pick a side, pick a side, pick a side. And if we think that, hey, you know, I know the answer. I know, I know, I know what side here is is in the right. I know who, who we need to follow. I think that we're kind of setting ourselves up.
0: We are. And, and I want to say this too. It's not fair whether this guy is a prophet of your church, a guy who, or a guy who you perceive doing a good work. It's not fair to those individuals to make them idols either. No, it's not. Because, because they put their pants on the same way you and I do one leg at a time. Right. And so as you put, on unrealistic expectations that's not fair to them right they're still humans they're still capable of screwing up and we should extend grace and charity where we can for those things um and likewise you're not you're being unfair to yourself as well when you put somebody in that position because now you're requiring their perfection to sustain your faith and so far I don't know about you Justin but I haven't met Jesus yet. Right? I don't think he's out there in the world floating around anywhere. So if you're expecting perfection out of your leaders or out of people in general, whether you perceive them to be a good guy or not, you're you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. And and it's okay to I think to look at some people and go, "Man, this guy on this one topic, Man, I think he's really got it figured out. And then maybe try to emulate some of the good stuff. I'm not saying it's not a good thing to to take examples away when someone does right. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a healthy thing. But when you set them on a pedestal, you're just begging to be hurt when that falls.
1: Absolutely. And here's the thing. I know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. But I think, I think people were trying to make an idol out of him too. In fact… I, I just remembered that here's a, here's a quote from the Journal Discourses. Um, uh, mind if I share it real quick?
0: Sure. Please do.
1: Yeah. So some members of the church say, I depend upon you, Brother Joseph, upon you, Brother Brigham, upon you, Brother Heber, or upon you, Brother James. I believe your judgment is superior to mine, and consequently I let you judge for me. Those men or those women suspending their own understanding – and pinning their faith upon another sleeve will never be capable of entering into the celestial glory to be crowned as they anticipate. They will never be capable of becoming gods. And you know that was uh, that was from Brigham Young. Um, Joseph Smith pretty much said something very very similar though. Um, these men were concerned about even if they weren't going to be idolatrous themselves, they were worried about becoming an idol. They didn't want the people to follow them because they idolized them they wanted them to follow them because they're doing the lord's work and the lord would have them do that but again it goes back to motivation you wouldn't think it'd be that big of a deal right if you're gonna if if you're following joseph smith if joseph smith's inspired of god it probably doesn't matter why you're following joseph smith does it well i think it does i mean according to Brigham young celestial glory is on the line that's the difference that's right. the difference. That motivation, um, and and it's like you said, it's not fair. It's right. not fair. It's not fair to those men to to put that responsibility on them when when the Lord hasn't hasn't placed it there. The Lord has not told us to to follow after men. He's told us to 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 uh, not to rely upon the arm of flesh. Right. Which means right. we need we need to be turning to the Lord and not getting overly caught up to us i mean for me i i want the truth more than anything else and i believe that's a i mean hopefully i'm not making an idol of the truth but i believe that christ is the the personification of truth right and so it doesn't matter to me who's who's right or who's wrong it, it this is my guy i, I he's got to be right i really want him to be right if it's if it's true I want I want to know that truth, and you know. And as far as who we're gonna follow, I think we need to be focused and centered on the Lord, and uh, because otherwise we are going to be disappointed. Because like I said earlier, we are all broken. The plan of salvation, as presented, was we're going to come down here, and we're going to fail, and screw up, and stumble, and face plant, and again and again and again and again that was that was the plan we we came down here to fail so to speak and that's why a savior was provided that was that was going to be able to pull us back out afterwards but that's that's how we grow is we we learn we make mistakes yep and uh we don't want to make an idol out of anybody
0: right so right you you know and and that was I'll be honest with you. That was a concern for me when I first fired up this microphone, right? Yeah. I know how flawed I am. My very first episode that I called The Primer, I went out of my way to say, I'm not your priest. I'm not your bishop. I'm not your state president, your pope, your prophet, any of those things. You take what I have to say with a grain of salt. Do your own research. If you agree, great. If I got it wrong, let me know, and I will lead with that. But don't set me up for that because you're going to be disappointed. I am kind of a meathead. I love me some football. I love to lift weights and I love a good steak. So if you're looking to me for the end all be all of your um, spiritual nourishment, go to church. Best thing you could do is go to church because you pin it to me. You're going to be disappointed.
1: Well, yeah, Uh, go to church so you can get it from the Lord.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. No. That's an important connotation too. Right. Is
1: because I mean, that, that it's kind of the topic is like who's right. here's this battle and everybody's talking about it. Who's in the right? Was the church wrong? Was was or was Tim Ballard wrong? And and who's the good guy here? Who's who's the savior? You know, I I think it's a very interesting parallel in our modern society as a whole. I think it's fascinating how prominent superhero movies have become. Hmm. Now sure i they're, they're fun movies and i've always enjoyed superhero comics and stuff like that it's it's fun stuff but i think that there's a a, a fascination a modern fascination with the idea of, of the superhero of the superman um, because people have lost as a as a, as a country i i i fear that we have rejected christ we i don't believe we're necessarily a christian country anymore but something's got to fill that void right and the, at least from a from a mythological perspective, for a lot of Americans, what's replaced that, what's filled that void from a mythological sense is uh, superhero movies.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Special I think...
1: endowed men and women that have beyond human powers that right. rise up and not make mistakes and will protect us and save us from the destructions and the, and the things that are out there that would get us.
0: Right. And there, there's only one individual you should be putting that kind of faith into, and that's Jesus Christ period. Right. And then the next thing I would say is, is you, you have to get comfortable being able to go to him and get your answers. Don't rely on anybody else to give you the answer. Don't rely on me, don't rely on Justin, don't rely on M. Russell Ballard, don't rely on Tim Ballard. Go get it yourself. The Lord will talk to you if if you're honestly seeking. So let, let me ask you this, Justin, how is it then that, that we can prevent ourselves? Because I don't think anyone ever sets out and says, oh, you know what, M. Russell Ballard or, or Tim Ballard, those guys have it all figured out. I can just rely on them. I don't think anyone starts there. I think it's a, a process, right? You you just continue to look with admiration and pretty soon you're kind of in, in this new form of idolatry. Um, so how do we prevent ourselves from getting there?
1: You know, that's a great question. And also, how do we prevent ourselves from becoming an idol possibly right. as well? Because we're all involved in things. We're all doing things. Where, no matter what it is. Even if it's just even if you're flipping burgers, you might be the best burger flipper, you know, at McDonald's. And uh and you could suddenly become somebody that other people start looking up to. And so where at whatever our calling, whatever our station in life, wherever we're at right now, we should we we need to not only be wary falling into idolatry we also i think we need to make sure that we want to make sure that we don't become idols ourselves yeah and and it's not just it's not just podcasters and and people in media that need to watch out for that um and i i think i don't know my, my thoughts are i think the solution to that is is a regular careful analysis of of our motivations mm-hmm and I see this. There's two ways this can happen. Uh, one of the one of the best and ritualistic ways is is when we're taken in the sacrament. It's the perfect opportunity to really stop and think about what you're doing in your life, and more than asking what you're doing because you will always have something to repent of.
2: Always, that comes out.
1: there's always going to be something you think. Oh, okay, yeah, I want to repent of that. I want to repent of that. I want to repent of that. And that's that. I'm not. I'm not knocking that. That's a. That's a good practice, but. You can dig a little bit deeper, possibly, and say, what did I do good? What did I do right? And what is my motivation? What What is inspiring me to do? Am I doing the right thing for the right reasons, or is there something else going on here? Um, I remember I was sitting in a, in a singles ward, a uh, sacrament meeting, and, and a bunch of uh, younger guys in front, uh, in the bench in front of me. Um, we're talking. It's fast and testimony meeting. And one of them goes up. There and he reads a a beautiful quote and says a cool testimony and you know it was really nice and he comes and sits back down and he turns to his friend who's sitting next to him and he's like I bet that'll get me a few dates yeah and I'm just like wow but then I started thinking oh my gosh you know seriously though you know you're single you're looking around you're in a singles war there's girls here hey you know. Maybe I want to go bear my testimony, or maybe I just kind of want to get seen, right? And so it's not—we're all going to do wrong things, mm-hmm. and identifying that and repenting it—that's an important thing to do. The pride and the and the danger here, um, though, I think, creeps in in the the right things we do, the good things we do, and asking ourselves again: Is is my eye single the glory of God? Do I want to get up there and bear my testimony because I feel it burning within me and I want to share that with everybody else? Or do I want to be seen? Do I want people to think that, hey, wow, that guy's got a good testimony? Right. It's the little things like that that I think can really get us in the subject of idolatry, and that's a very hard thing to watch. It's such a hard thing to watch. But, um,
0: but here's the thing. We've all seen it in others, right? And that's, that's also the dangerous part, right? Like – I I don't care what ward you're in. I don't care what stake and what state doesn't matter. We all know the guy who gets up and bears his testimony because he's angling to be the next Bishop, right? Going to share some amazing scriptural insight he's got, not for the sake of just sharing it, but for, for the, the sake of, you know, I could be the next man, so to speak.
1: Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily black. It's not a black and white issue. I don't believe. I don't think it's either your motives are right or your motives are wrong. I think there's a spectrum there. There is, and that's something you can always work on. Yep. Then if we're ninety nine percent doing it for the right reason, that's okay. Because that means that we still got a one percent to work on, and that is that last one percent too. That you. That's that's that 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 eternally dividing number that never quite reaches zero. Right so yeah yeah um and here's the other thing you gotta watch when things when you start getting emotional
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when you start getting emotional you need to really really stop and ask yourself why and really look at that right i mean and here's the thing i mean yeah we're good friends here but we don't always agree on things right no and sometimes we disagree and that's okay, you know, and when we were having our conversation earlier today, uh, as we were talking, I noticed that, oh, I'm sensing a little bit of emotion here and I don't, I don't like that. Where is this coming from? And, you know, I stopped and I was like, you know, I asked you a couple of questions. Like, let, let's, let's uh, calm down here a bit, you know, cause I mean, we, we didn't get in an argument, but it seemed like it could, could have been heading that way. Right. Sure um because our you know we're getting emotional all right at least i was getting emotional and i'm thinking yeah. well why and you know when you stop and interrupt that right look at it it was very clear like oh we're just we're saying the same thing here we're just yeah we're just yeah. using a different word. no big yep. deal um and so i mean that's a valuable thing in interpersonally but it's when you see stuff going on it's when you see stuff going on and so I guess, like in a sense, with Tim Ballard, when when you're when you're listening to this, if you're and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so upset about this. How how dare this person say this? How dare somebody say that?" We get caught up in this emotional moment. That's kind of the sign because idolatry does not exist without that strong allegiance. Right. And as human beings, when our allegiances are threatened, you know we want to bare our teeth. Right. Yep. And so. Maybe it is a good reason to be baring your teeth, but if you're feeling that emotional, whoa, it's a good time to stop and double check.
2: Absolutely, is this really,
1: is this really something I want to bare my teeth over? Because you know, Tim Ballard can have done a lot of good work, and um, and he might have made some mistakes. That doesn't discount the good work he does. It doesn't make you a bad person if 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 he if if we were swindled by him. And it turns out he's not what he represented himself. We don't have to have a stake in that. In fact, the only stake we should have in that is well, what is the truth here? That's the only thing we could
0: really care about. Can't get enough of the Mormon Renegade podcast? Well, good news. We're on Patreon, and there's three packages that you can choose from. The first one, the slightly rowdy package, allows you to hear the podcast without all those pesky commercials getting in the way. For those who want a slightly more in depth experience, there's the Stirring It Up package where you can hear ad-free audio, ad-free video, and transcripts. Finally, for those who want to go full Renegade, that package is available too, where you can get everything in the previous two packages, plus an extra show where myself and Ben Winfield break down the news of the day from a very Mormon point of view. You will also get exclusive access to Renegade Chat, and on there you'll be able to talk to others about the show or whatever topics are on your mind. Go to Patreon today and get your exclusive content. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by DeseretFlag.com. I've said this before and I really mean it. Mormonism isn't just a religion, it's a culture. As such, it has its own vernacular and practices, but also its own symbols. And those symbols become even more important and prominent when you look back into our history. Perhaps one of the most recognizable symbols of Mormonism is the Deseret Flag. This is the flag that I use as cover art in this podcast. This was also used for a good chunk of time during the pioneer era in Utah. Now, today we have people who want to replace the existing Utah flag with some other progressive monstrosity. Well, I think it's damn past time that we start pushing back here a little bit in Utah. Our friends at Defending Utah are here to help you with that. Now, if you go to DeseretFlag.com, you can now purchase your own Deseret State flag. It's time here that we start making ourselves known and join the resistance against those who seek to rewrite our state's history. Go to DeseretFlag.com or check out the link in this episode's page show notes and get yours today.
1: And uh and none of us have those answers right now. Not enough information has come out and um and so on either side, whether it's, you're, you know, where you're swinging on the on the church on this issue or Tim Ballard on the issue, we really ought to be in a kind of a neutral place and just be like, yeah. well, let's find out. Let's find out what it is. And, you know, and if and if I made mistakes, if we've made something, okay, we'll, we'll learn from that and we'll do better and it's okay. I think nothing bothers me more than this false idea in Christianity is even, it's a, it's pro- it's everywhere that, you know, as Christians or as Mormons, we don't sin. Right. We don't want to be seen sinning. We don't want to be seen making mistakes. We want to always make the right decision. We want to always have the right opinion. And because we don't want that shame. We're afraid of the shame of people seeing us as as weak. And so we know within ourselves that, hey, I'm not a perfect person, but we look around us and – and even in the way we present ourselves to the world we tend to want to put up put a mask and present ourselves as oh, I, i'm not somebody who ever screws up i I'm, I'm never wrong and um it's it's missing the entire point of christianity missing the entire point we should we should see it, all of us as brothers and sisters fellow
0: needer's of a savior right right I, I would say this as well. So I, I want to touch on, on all all three of these things. First off, on, on the emotional thing. I think part of the reason that people might have a hard time accepting that, hey, maybe both parties involved here are wrong is because they've hitched their wagon there, right? They've They've made that the engine at which it drives their faith and their motivation. That's scary. When you find out maybe you're wrong there. But I'll say this. Welcome to Mormonism. Okay. The founder, Joseph Smith, the wellspring, the dispensation head, called Oliver Cowdery, who turned out to be not so good at times. Did great other times, but wasn't so good. He also called John C. Bennett. Right, there's no harm in saying, you know, what I thought this guy was this, but it turns out he was that, or he did some good things and he did some bad things, right? Um, Winston Churchill is a great example of that. If you talk to most people in in Western, uh, in the Western world, America, England, France, Great Britain, obviously, um, even Germany, well, Churchill was a great guy. You know, he he really rallied everybody when he had to. But if you talk to people in India, well, that guy was was a complete, pardon the expression, he was a complete ass to those to the to the people in India. And so the question becomes, well, which one is he? Well, he's both. Yeah, he's both. He's but both we don't want to see it that
1: way. We don't want to see it that way. We want right. to believe that some people are perfect and our enemies are absolutely evil. And you know, Truth is black and white, but we stand in, in this gray space in between. And we can do good things and we can do bad things. And we're gonna do both. We're gonna be a mix. Everybody's yeah. gonna be a mix. You know, yeah. people people want to make idols out of George Washington, Abraham right. Lincoln. And none of those, I mean, I, I I I I guarantee you that they would not accept those titles. No. We wanna- no
0: no and and so you know and it's not even so much a gray area justin as it is both black and white right we do some really good things and we do some really crappy things all of us do right and i've always said i can never run for public office because (laughs) prior to 1995 someone's gonna say hey i think i got a picture of you what year 94 good chance i'm just gonna take your word for it right but Post-95, I've led, in, and not to say I haven't made mistakes, because I certainly have all along the way, but nothing quite as drastic as as my pre <laughs> in life, right? Yeah. Um, and well, so I, I'm sure my kids will read my journals someday and go, the old man was kind of a dirtbag for a while, right? And then they're going to look and say, okay, he did some good stuff along the way, and there'll be a mix all the way through. I just... I, I just try to do better every day.
1: It brings up a really interesting question though, when you say that. So, is anybody qualified to run for president uh, by that standard?
0: I, I don't. I think there's guys who have led better lives than I had. I had led. Um, certainly, wouldn't have wouldn't wouldn't have that degree of screwing up, right? Um, but I
1: think what's really important is is where we're at now,
0: right? Right, exactly. Where we're at now,
1: where we're trying to go.
0: At least be able to show a pivot point, right? Say, up to this point, I was kind of this way, but once I hit here, I pivoted, right? I I understood I had to make changes and, and, and made those changes. As far as not allowing ourselves to become idols to other people, this is why it's so important to have people around that'll call you on your BS. I don't know how else to put it, Right. If for no other reason, I am so thankful for my wife, not just because of the love and care they give me, but also they don't have a problem in saying you're kind of being an ass, right? And then keeping me mm-hmm. grounded. The conversation you and I had today, again, well, Dave, I don't think you completely got it right on this. I I welcome that, right? You need that kind of support system to keep you in check. To, yeah. to people to call you out and say, no, your crap really does stink, right? As far as not making idols of other people, I would say this. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. You keep your eyes fixed on that example. That's where your eyes should be fixed. That should be the one and only individual that you seek out to emulate wholeheartedly. The other thing is, is that when these kind of scenarios are coming up like we're seeing now and 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 you and i are similar in the sense we both kind of keep our thumb on the pulse of mormonism across the spectrum and i've seen so much emotion here right yeah fix yourself in principle fix yourself in principle don't fix yourself on an individual That was the beauty of the U.S. Constitution, right, was this idea of we're going to write this down so we're never subject to the whims of a king, right, which can change on a dime, which, you know, is full of passion and emotion and those sorts of things. We're going to fix it on on something that that will maybe check that. Fix yourself on good principles with your eyes firmly set on the Savior. I think that's the best way that you can avoid making idols out of people and institutions that you shouldn't be making idols out of.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The other thing is, is that when these times come along, you can make a healthy distinction between, um, you, you can make a healthy distinction back to, yeah, they're people and as people we all suck sometimes
1: i think this is a really pertinent topic and it's only going to become more and more important as time passes i think that what we're seeing right now is is just the beginning of of what we have in store as a nation as as a church and um yeah a, a lot of this actually has some very significant parallels to to uh to the Nephite civilization, right before Christ visited them. Um, would you like me to?
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into that.
1: On this. Yeah,
0: let's dive into it.
1: All right. So, the fascinating thing is here. Right before this happened, right before this happened, the Nephites had had beat the Gideonian robbers. They buried their secret plans. They they cleaned up the Nephites, the Lamanites. You know, living together in harmony. Things were things were good. Really, really good. But they fell apart so fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in Third Nephi chapter six, uh, starting here, just in verse fourteen, I mean, this is a fascinating parallel. And thus there became a great inequality in all the land, insomuch that the church began to be broken up. Mm. Yea, so much that in the thirtieth year, the church was broken up in all the land, save it were among a few of the Lamanites. Who were converted into the true faith, for they would not depart from it, for they were firm and steadfast and immovable, willing with all diligence to keep the commandments of the Lord. That just when I first saw that, I mean, I I hadn't comprehended this historically since um, since I became converted to fundamentalism. Right. The first thing was and it starts with Pride. And people lifting themselves up and, and and classism and all that. And the first thing is the church becomes broken up. Right. And I'm like looking around thinking, wow, I can see some parallels. I can see some parallels. And um, now this cause of this iniquity was of the people was this. Satan had great power under the stirring up of the people to do all manner of iniquity and the puffing them up with pride tempting them to seek for power and authority and riches and the vain things of the world. In other words, get your eyes off, don't not even eyes, single no, 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 get your eyes off the Lord entirely. It's motivation. It's what the people are are living for. They're not, they're not living for the Lord anymore. They're not living to to live the gospel and for their families and to just enjoy the fruits of the gospel. They're well, no power, authority, riches, and these motivations start creeping in among the Nephites. And the church is now it's interesting, the church is, is, is broken up, it's not functioning the way sure. that it needs. To and you know, you can look at that within Mormonism and see the church being broken up. You can also look at this at a macro level in the country, Christianity, yeah. the church is broken up where we once had strong allies. um. At least, maybe, maybe if we weren't even, maybe, maybe, we weren't friendly, but we still had strong political allies with, with with the rest of the Christians in this nation. We might not see eye to eye on Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon, but certainly we see eye to eye on on how we how we treat um, how we treat other people, how what is morally acceptable, what things should be taught to our children, um, whether or not um, it's okay to, to kill inconvenient babies. I mean, we, we, we shared a lot of common ground. And with this country now, the church being broken up within the country, that foundation's not there anymore. That moral foundation's not there anymore. So things became bad among the Nephites. And um, you've got Nephi there who's out testifying to the people that hey you know this isn't right and we we need to repent i mean we need to get back to the lord we need to fix the fix our hearts and stuff right um right. and now in verse 21 it says now there were many of the people who were exceedingly angry because of those who testified of these things and those who were angry and we just we talked about emotion and getting angry about stuff uh, why were they getting angry well maybe idols were being smashed right right um but those who are angry were chiefly the chief judges and they who had been high priests and lawyers. Yea, all those who were lawyers were angry with those who testified of these things. Now there was no lawyer nor judge nor high priest that had, that could have power to condemn anyone to death, save their condemnation was signed by the governor of the land. Now there were many of those who testified of things pertaining to Christ who testified boldly, who were taken and put to death secretly by the judges that the knowledge of their death, came not unto the governor of the land until after their death. I think what we're seeing here is we've got, there's secret combinations going on, right? They're back.
2: Yeah. These oh, people pistoli- yeah.
1: in authority really are threatened by the message of Christianity. That's going to smash idols. That's going to, and it's going to expose them. And they, they don't want to be exposed. Right. They like their position. And so they've got these really inconvenient um prophets and people coming among them that are kind of shining light and uh kind of ruining their game and at this point in time they're not you know this isn't uh king noah who's just gonna you know take them and we're just gonna publicly execute this dude um no they've they've got to do it quietly kind of in secret illegally right but they feel a need to do it nonetheless and um I see parallels with this in our day and age too, especially with the the weaponization of, of our justice system in America right now and the politicization of it. And, and there's some stuff that just really doesn't quite add up and it's becoming exposed. It's, it's kind of coming into the open, but there, there's being, the work's being done in secret undeniably. I've got a lot of questions um, about all kinds of really fishy things going on. You know, Ray Epps just recently was, uh, um, like, got charged, uh, you know, with uh, like a, a, like a misdemeanor, right? Meanwhile, you've got other people who, and he was the one who was calling for violence and saying we're gonna yeah. the capital and, and at the front of the line doing that. Then you got some grandmother who who just was there and followed the crowd in, never hurt anybody, didn't touch anything, just wandered in, wandered out, and it's like you know, five years in prison, right? You're an insurrectionist, but but this guy's not, it seems to me. I could be wrong, but it seems to me that there's maybe something kind of secret going on here,
0: just a little bit.
1: Maybe something's a little, you know, on on the, on the down low and, uh, and shrouded in, in in the cover of darkness about what's really going on. So now th- that didn't really last uh, among the Nephites, because what they were doing was wrong. They were violating their their government their governmental mandates and abusing that authority. And you know they couldn't keep it secret forever. And it, and right. it came up to the, it came up to the chief judge, to their to their president. It's, hey, you know, we, we caught some people doing some really shady things here. Um, what are you going to do about it? So on, on verse 26, it says, "Now it came to pass that they were taken and brought up before the judge to be judged of the crime which they had done, according to the law which had been given by the people. Now it came to pass that those judges had many friends and kindreds, in the, and the remainder, yea, even almost all the lawyers and the high priest did gather themselves together and unite with the kindreds of those judges who were to be tried according to the law, and they did enter into a covenant one with one with another, yea, even unto that. "...into that covenant which was given by them of old, which covenant was given and administered by the devil, to combine against all righteousness. Therefore they did combine against the people of the Lord, and enter into a covenant to destroy them, and to deliver those who were guilty of murder from the grasp of justice, which was about to be administered according to the law. And they set at defiance the law and the rights of their country, and they did covenant one with another to destroy the governor, and to establish a king over the land, that the land should no more be at liberty, but should be subject unto kings." I think we are right here. Yep. yep. America today.
0: And um and I want to liken this a little bit, and, and we alluded to it earlier. Um Trump, right? Where he comes out and says, Well, you know, I don't know really how I feel about abortion. How many people Well,
1: to be fair, he said he thinks a six-week abortion ban is awful. Right. That's ooh. Ooh, I, I, that's not a, that. In my opinion, that's not quite saying. I don't know how I feel. That's kind of saying, "Hey, you know what? Under six weeks and old, you're not a human yet, and murder's okay."
2: Right.
0: Personally. Right, and that's and that's what I was going to say is people hitched their political wagons to him, like he was the savior of the republic. And I remember I got beat up over this. I continue to get beat up over this because I'm like, "Look, is he better than other options?" probably but let's not for a minute pretend that he is the savior of the republic right yeah and and ag- again just another example of this
1: well yeah and you know and just in and exactly in in relation to that um i here's the thing i've got I, i've got a real issue with trump now person i mean for, for me personally I'm a one-issue voter on certain things. Abortion is one of those issues Me where it's too. like, okay, I, I cannot vote for him now unless he recants his stance on that. I, I can't, and it's so stupid because he didn't even have to go there because it's not like it's likely that such a bill would ever land on his desk. Um, in where we're at right now politically, it, the likelihood of that even happening is almost non-existent. Right. But, but I, I, you know, it's either you're pro-abortion or you're not. I don't care if it's. One week, two weeks, three—you weeks. you can play with those numbers all you like. Abortion is abortion, though, right? And so that's a that's a no for me. But before that, you know, I, I I've been open, right? And I absolutely believe that he's being politically persecuted
0: right now, though. He is. Again, the two Again. aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not mutually, and I believe that they absolutely stole the election from him. That was manipulated, and and now here we are in in a place where it's like you know I want to root for him because the bad guys are after him, and I want to root for him. But am I gonna am I making an idol out of him? If right. I do so, can I at this point, or can I have to say, hey, you know what, I'd I'd love to, but um, these are these are, this is my standard, and if you're if you're not gonna live up to that standard, then then I, I don't want you I don't want you to be my president.
0: Right, right. And that's healthy. That's That's one hundred that's one hundred percent healthy. And and I'm like you when it comes to the abortion thing, that'll make you or break you with me, right? Politically. It it just is. I mean, if it's human life, and and I know this is a strong statement, but it's something I truly believe at my core, so I'll take the heat for it. But if if that is a human life, which I believe it is, it would be a lot like saying. Well, Hitler did a lot of good things except for the Holocaust, right? No, no, no. The yeah. Holocaust is enough to cancel out the VW bug and the autobahn, right? Um so <laughs> yeah. let's let's just get that out of the way. That not not all things are equal.
1: Yeah, but we're seeing the kind of political intrigue and the the, the truth of the matter is Trump exposed a lot really? of this. He, he exposed the media for their hypocrisy, and then he, you know, he exposed the left. The left lost their minds over but, Trump. And we found out that it, we found people like Elon Musk, who always considered himself a liberal, suddenly saying, "Well, I guess I'm a conservative now because yeah. I'm not." You no, know, he's he shown some light there on the left, and what we saw was pretty scary. That happened because of Trump.
0: Yes, um, but let's go back to what you were talking about about intent, right? Yeah, I don't think Trump was ever about. I'm going to save America. I think he was about, I'm going to save America and I'm going to look so good doing it. Right. And I think that was kind of the, his, his arch there.
1: Exactly. And now it it puts us in a situation. If we have made an idol out of him, it puts us in the situation. of saying, Hey, um, is he going to shine a light on us? Right. Are we, are we going to find out what us as conservatives really believe? Yeah. Are we, are we going to stand for, for our principles on this? And because here's the thing. I mean, Trump ran. I I don't believe Trump ever was honestly pro-life. No, his past. He was pro-abortion. He was he, he was honest, though, in a degree that he made a deal and said, hey, I'll be your conservative champion and here are the ground rules and I'll be I'll be anti-abortion and I will be you know, we're going to build a wall. We're going to deal with the immigration crisis. We're going to deal with uh, all of these issues. And we said, okay, we accept. We accept those terms. You're right. Um, and he, for the most part, I think he he did his best to live up to every single one of those things. He, he did. Kept, he kept his he kept his side of that deal. But what's going on now is he's he's looking to make a new deal. Right. He thinks now that hey, I'm 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 the guy, I'm the guy you all love, but. Um, and now we, but but he's trying to renegotiate the terms. And I'm sorry for me that that's a no. I can I can respect you, if, if, you know, if if that's not your thing and you still you know support that. But I, I I would just hope that we're not making an idol out of him because I'm afraid that we are seeing that too. Because that's the other thing. This thing just broke, and I'm not seeing a lot of prominent conservative talking heads condemning this.
2: Oh, I'll and be- I guarantee you,
1: if it was. If it was like a, if it was a Mitt Romney who saying something like that, it would be ev- everybody would be talking about it. Everybody, but these same people who would be talking about it if it was pretty much anybody else are suddenly like, ah, let's not. Uh, we we don't we don't, we don't we don't want to talk about that. Uh, why? Why right. not? <laughs> What's going on here?
0: you yeah um, yep. I remember. I remember I had real concerns at the uh, RNC the 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 convention when he was running the first time. Yeah. And and he said I will be your voice. And at that point I got a little nervous. I was like, well, we have other ways of getting our voice out there. And if you're going to be my voice, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, right? How yeah. are you going to be a voice for everybody? That doesn't work.
1: Yeah. No, I hear you. I was very, very skeptical the the, the first term. You know, second time I was, I felt very comfortable voting for him, though. And I so, did. I did okay. too.
0: I did too. He proved me wrong his first term. I'll be fair. He did a lot of stuff that didn't make sense politically, that seemed to be a, almost a principled stand. Right. I, I can think yeah. back to moving the embassy to Jerusalem that was that was a and big, he
1: repented of the, and i'd say he repented of his mistakes too you know at, at yeah. one point he was kind of going on a, on a on a on a on an anti-gun angle yeah over something and he sat down with some people and they kind of explained the second amendment to him and and what conservatives think of the second amendment and he and he came back and said okay never mind
0: yeah yeah no
1: yeah.
0: he 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 did, and did very, it and that's very very honorable
1: very honorable in that regards. Yep. But we know for the fact that within his personal life, there's issues. And I don't think that disqualifies him from being president. Just like you were saying, you could never run. Well, here's the thing it matters is where you're at now, not where you used to be. Right. And that holds true if you've got a checkered past, I believe. I believe that we are required to forgive all men. But that also holds true if you've got a, a, a fabulous past, if you've got a shining reputation. Doesn't matter how great you were then what matters is where are you at today right and that's what you should judge not not hold on to this idolatry of of the good done before because that 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 does become an idol so here among the nephites there's this huge cumulative event happening as the people are recognizing that their institutions are kind of cheating they're not being honest they're not being up front first first the church falls apart and now This crap's going on in their government, and it's been exposed. And I mean, I I would say in a way that is very similar to maybe the election fraud, where it was just done out in the open. It's so in your face. It doesn't take a lot of effort to look into that, to see all kinds of undeniable red flags, things that cannot be explained, that have no reasonable explanation other than rampant fraud.
0: Right, right. It was
1: done right in front of our faces.
0: And, and whether you believe that Biden had enough votes to win or not is inconsequential. The yeah. fact that there was fraud taking place
2: is enough,
0: I mean, is enough to say maybe we need to take a second look at how we're doing this, right? Yeah,
1: when you break the rules, that's the thing. Just even breaking the rules. If we're going we're gonna to stop counting votes, kick out the, the watchdogs, and then start again in the middle of the night. That's. What? What other reason would you have to do that? That's that's suspicious, and that's that destroys our faith in our institutions. Yep, absolutely. And that is what happened in the Nephites. I think their faith was tested, and with the church gone, you got to realize their governmental institution is a lot, to a large degree, all that they've got left.
2: They, right.
1: They're putting their faith in that government. That's what's holding things together. That's what's keeping things sane. And all of a sudden, they just said, "Oh my gosh." Our government is against us. Right. We just saw horrible crimes committed, and basically they get away with it. Now, in seven, it clarifies, you know, and behold, I will show unto you that they did not establish a king over the land, but in the same year, yea, the 30th year, they did destroy upon the judgment seat, yea, did murder the chief judge of the land. And the people were divided one against another, and they did separate one from another into tribes. Every man according to his family and his kindred and friends, and thus they did destroy the government of the land. And every tribe did appoint a chief or a leader over them, and thus they became tribes and leaders of tribes. Now behold, there was no man among them, save he had much family and many kindreds and friends. Therefore their tribes became exceedingly great. We're seeing society fracture.
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: It's it, it's coming apart at the seams. The church isn't where it needs to be for them. Their government has just completely fallen apart, and and the people turn against each other, and they yeah. find they find basically these little tribes. That, you know, you could also say cults. Yep. And you know, you might ask yourself: so, which of these, which of these cults was the? the true cult <laughs> right which of these tribes? which of these tribes was the right tribe well it says that you know these and the regulation of the government were destroyed because of the secret combination and the friends of those who murdered the prophets and they did cause a great contention in the land and so much that the more righteous part of the people had nearly all become wicked yea they were but few righteous men among them and it's interesting it talks about a dog returning to his vomit Which reminds me of Isaiah saying, you know, there's vomit upon all the tables. Right. This is a situation where, when you're in that place, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Well, what these people did is they trusted themselves. They found strong men to be their lead. They found idols. Right. They found idols, set those idols up, and said, we'll follow you. You're our guy. And you know, I, I look at that today, and I can I can see this. You know, yeah. we've got the LGBTQ tribe, we've got the ultra MAGA tribe, we've got, to a certain degree, we, there's the there's the Tim Ballard, the Operation Underground Railroad tribe, and right. just because some of these tribes, I mean, I imagine some of these tribes probably tried to do a decent job of of being just and equitable and all that, right? I mean, I mean, there was a secret combination tribe too, actually, interestingly enough,
2: right?
1: <laughs> um, but what the people, what the people didn't do is they didn't repent and turn to Christ. No. They fragmented into tribes and split apart. And that's why I'm concerned that you know I, I think that what we're seeing right now is only going to get worse.
0: No, it's only I... going to
1: get worse. And the more the light gets shined on these things, as more as more of this gets exposed, um, we're, we're going to see more and more fragmentation and a greater desperation for people to find something to hold on to find yeah. some somewhere somehow i don't care if it's a it might not be a golden calf it might be a it might be a um what are those, those circus cookies right it might be an animal cracker but heck at least it's it's kind of golden color and right right in my pocket i mean
0: you know the extent I- yeah go ahead sorry I was gonna say i uh I remember probably three four months ago in in my in my prayers I remember asking the Lord I, I should say it was a little longer than that. it's been about a year ago. It's when I lost my job because of the podcast and I had to ask the question what where do I go? What do I do? Lead me to a good spot, father. And I got an answer back I wasn't expecting, which is everything man has built without me will surely crumble. It will surely come apart at the seams. And I think we're just entering that time now, Justin, where, and we're starting to see it. Everything we thought was solid is now coming undone. And those structures of men are going to start coming down And all the perceived security we thought we had in those structures of men will continue to come apart. Yeah. I think the only solution is fix your bearings on Christ and be rooted in truth and principle. And not just any truth, his truth.
1: Yeah, I'm very, I'm I'm very concerned about this because I, I, the, the tendency and what pretty much happened among the nephites is they were black build
2: mm-hmm.
1: when all this went down in the end they were black They 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 became nihilistic and i don't want to see that happen i nope. don't want to see that happen here but th- there are there are people that well in, to a certain degree this is is a great opportunity to to repent of our altar. and to be clear too I'm an idolater.
2: Right. I'm not.
1: I'm not saying that it, it, it's all you guys out there, whoever you are. I don't, I don't know who you are. I, I know you're an idolater because I'm an idolater. We all are. <laughs> but, um, but what, there's a couple really big idols here, and I think the, one of the biggest, the one that I'm most concerned about, is the church. I think that this stuff going on with Tim Ballard is shining some light there, and. It's going to, it's, it's burden. I remember being there. It's burdensome to hold on to that and have to just, okay, well, I don't understand what's going on here. Maybe this doesn't seem right, but, uh, and you're holding on because that's, because that's where you, where you put your faith and you don't know if there's anything else. It's, it's kind of scary to, to be in that situation but I'm concerned that it's you know the the tree's being shaken, the yeah. fruit's gonna fall. Where is it gonna end up? Where are people gonna go? Are people gonna end up black pilled? Are they gonna go nihilistic? Are they gonna lose faith in everything? Because I mean, I I was close to to doing that at one point in in my journey when right. I was reading Denver Snuffer's stuff. It was very dark, and right. it was very. It would have been very easy for me to have got gotten sucked in into that darkness and given up hope right and so
0: let let me ask you this question because i think this is a question worth exploring too yeah you happen to be that person whether you're in the lds church or not and you discover that that you know what okay maybe i've set some people or some institutions up as idols once you recognize that what do you do next yeah. Well, I, I think actually this is
1: answered in third Nephi. Okay. In this story as this continues here. So, you know, you got the tribes, they've got their rules. Um, none of them are good. They're all they're all stoning the prophets. Right. <laughs> One of the few things the only couple things they've got in common is they're not going to open warfare with each other and they're not stoning the prophets, but they don't get along. They hate each other. They're,
2: right.
1: Everybody's polarized. Everybody's separate. And it is at this time that it says and Nephi did minister with power and with great authority. And it came to pass that they were angry with him, even because he had greater power than they. For it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. That's also like imagine the level of idolatry where you even absolutely know that that Nephi is right here and that you're in the wrong, but nonetheless, nonetheless, <laughs> you're going to resist. You're going to you're going to kick against the pricks. Um. For so great was his faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ that angels did minister unto him daily. And so what we're seeing here is we're seeing Nephi rising up with power and authority in the midst of this turmoil. And this is this is, I'll be honest, this is kind of what I experienced when I when I was in that place. Um what one of the things that saved me were, were Ogden Kraut's books. Because I was in that place, and I'm just like, okay, I can't trust this anymore. Who do I believe? What do I believe? Um, and one of the things that really jumped out to me was I, I came across Ogden Kraut's books, and I was reading this, and I was and I was reading about the past and how things used to be in the church. And one of the things that really struck hard was this idea of, of that people used to receive their endowments and go home and set up altars in their homes. And do prayer circles with their wives.
2: Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: They would do prayer circles with their friends and family. Those who those who had received their endowments.
0: They left the temple empowered, endowed yes. with power from on.
1: Endowed with power from on high, and so, that's exactly what. I felt happened to me in in a way it was, it was terrifying and it was scary, but also it became liberating. Cause I realized, wait a minute, you know what? I, I believe the book of Mormon. I have a testimony of it and I believe in the restoration. I believe in the priesthood that was restored and that priesthood, that priesthood that I've received entitles me to, I can, I can hold sacrament. I can hold sacrament for my family whenever I want. It doesn't even have to be Sunday if i feel that spiritual yearning i i can do that by the virtue of the priesthood that i've received i don't have to live in in, in some kind of fear and trembling place of offending god for using the priesthood that he gave me for its intended purpose
2: right
1: <laughs> um right. and uh and the idea of of having an altar in my home it was liberating it yeah. was freeing it was full of light and you know there was a certain amount of darkness in in recognizing that i had made an idol of the church There was an even greater darkness in the deception and manipulations that i saw in what denver sneffer had written but that left me with you know darkness or darkness lesser you know the evil or the lesser of evil it it wasn't a it, 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 we find ourselves that way all the time politically we find ourselves that way all the time right well i'm going to vote for this guy not because um i think he's right but he's the lesser of two evils right that's not that's not the gospel the gospel is liberating and gives us opportunities to choose the right and to do the thing so finding that freedom to kind of rise up and here's the here's the thing with idolatry that also we don't always realize you gotta ask yourself why? Why do we have such a tendency to to make idols out of things? What's our motivation for creating an idol? Well, I think I think we might have briefly touched upon it earlier, but I think one of those reasons is delegation of authority. Right. You know, if I'm if if Trump's my guy and I'm voting for Trump, then hey, that's like five. That's like a you know maybe uh not five minutes. It's many five minutes to cast a vote, but you know, driving there. That's about an hour out of my out of my day every every four years. I mean, hey, that's not that's not a that's not much of a price to pay to save the country, you know. Right. Right. You know, 20 minutes, an hour every once every four years, and, and hey, I've done my duty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: When we create idols, we give our power. Yep. That idol. And we give our responsibility to that idol, um, but there's power there as well, right?, right. Yep. and when we take that back, well, now we've got that responsibility again. Well, it was always there, right? As far right. as the Lord's concerned we we were never really off the hook. It was never really okay to just you know wash our hands of of that of our responsibilities. But when we take back that responsibility, we get the power back too, yeah, and that's. The amazing thing,
0: yeah. I would say this: if if you find yourself like, oh crap, maybe I did make some idols out of some people or institutions, I shouldn't have. Well, y- you've done the hard part. You've recognized that in yourself. Yeah, and that that really is the hardest part, right? So if you're there, if you're at that point, and you're like, okay, I, I've done this. Fix your eyes on the Savior. Right, I keep going back to that. I keep feeling drawn back to that. Fix your eyes on the Savior; He is your exemplar. Next, you open those scriptures. Get rooted in it, especially the Book of Mormon, because I think the Book of Mormon was written for like this week. Um, so you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna get into that, and then root yourself. Also, get I shouldn't say root. Familiarize yourself with the Doctrine and Covenants because that'll tell you how the church is supposed to operate. The Doctrine and Covenants is one of the most unique books of scripture, certainly within Christendom and probably within all of of religious texts anywhere, because in that book. It's almost exclusively Joseph asking a question and then God talking to you. So if you want to know what's right or wrong within church government and church affairs, read the Doctrine and Covenants. It's got everything in there. It's It's the original handbook for church administration. Read that. That will get you grounded there. Ground yourself in, in those things. Keep your eyes fixed on the Savior. And that's the other thing. And then I also want to touch on what you said about you can do this yourself. You don't have to rely on the idols, right? You don't have to rely on the church. You don't have to rely on men. If you have the priesthood, you have the opportunity to go out and teach your family. To to bless the sacrament in your own home. If you don't feel comfortable doing that. Drop me a line. I will be more than happy. To have you worship with me. And you can see how it's done in a home setting. If you need to. And then you can go on your way. But. You are capable. And for heaven's sakes. Just do something. Do not abrogate your god-given responsibilities and your god-given um ab- abilities to to anyone else take charge of that you're responsible for your family i i don't think there's going to be much of a leg for us to stand on if we pass this life and we're on the other side and we're found wanting and we said well we just we just followed that guy We just did what he did. Um, I I don't think that's enough. I think the Lord's going to say, well, I gave you these scriptures. I gave you these examples. Did you not think to crack the book once in a while? I mean, check the owner's manual.
2: Yeah.
1: Along with that, you know, it's we're, we're facing troubled times. I think everybody knows it and it's, the idol gives a false sense of security, right? Yep. It gives a false, but it is a false security. And if you've hitched your, if you end up hitching your wagon to, to to an idol, you will be disappointed eventually. It will disappoint you. So it's not even a real security, but it it's scary and it can be overwhelming to think. Wait, I've got to do all of this myself. What about, what if there's food shortages? What if COVID mandates come back? What if, what if, what if? Well, yeah, it, it, and those things probably are going to happen. And that's scary. That can be very, very terrifying. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's 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 so a lot easier to just say, hey, somebody else will take care of it for me. I'm not going to worry about it because it's overwhelming. And you might be afraid. I don't, I don't want to do this because what if I make a mistake? Well, Yes, you will make mistakes, and 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 you're not going to be ready for the challenges that come. You're just not. That's that's not how. But that's not how God's plan works. God does have a plan.
0: It's like having and, a kid. No one's ever really
1: ready. Yeah, it's like being a parent. You're never going to be ready, no matter how long you wait. It's not gonna. You're not going to be more ready. But what you find out is you might not be ready. But hey, you've got this. You can. Do this. The Lord qualifies those who he calls. It's really easy to look at Moses and think, man, now, what an amazing prophet Moses was. Moses was a man just like you. He wasn't extra special. What made him special was his willingness to listen to the Lord and just follow that. That's what made him special. He was special because he was weak. Not because he was powerful, not because he had it all figured out, not because he had seven years food storage, 10 million guns, and, uh, and, a, and a fallout shelter in his backyard. That's not how he did it. He was unprepared. He was weak. He was wandering the desert. He was exiled. He was cast out. He had a stutter. And that's exactly why the Lord called him. And I'm willing to bet everybody who's listening to this. If you really listen, the Lord's calling you. Yep. The Lord is calling you. He's asking you to stand up. There's something you can do. Like Dave said, something, anything, and maybe you're not so sure. That's okay. You don't have to be Nope. maybe, maybe you'll, maybe you hear wrong and it's not and, it, and it's not right. It doesn't work out. That's okay too. That's okay. Nope. You're not going to offend God by trying to do what you believe he wants him to do if you keep your heart sincere you keep your eye single to his glory i'm not saying you're not going to screw up i'm not going to say you're not going to make mistakes i'm not going to say it's not scary but it's okay yeah and the lord makes it right he makes up for our differences
0: and and just the very act of trying just the very act of doing something usually the lord starts opening doors for you right yeah you and i were talking about that on the phone today when when I decided I was going to do something, when I was done pissing and moaning to God about I didn't want to do X, Y, and Z, and I just did it, all of a sudden there were people that came out of the woodwork to help me out. There were opportunities that presented themselves, but that didn't happen until I did something. Let's go back to Moses because I think that's a great example again. He's cast out of Egypt. He wanders around. When does things get start to get better for him? When he acts on behalf of Jethro's daughters at the well.
2: Hmm.
0: He acts that one time. And then what happens? All of a sudden, he, you know, becomes married to Zipporah. Then he receives a priesthood from his bre- from his father-in-law in Jethro. Then he becomes a herdsman. And then God's talking to him. Now he's and, ready. And then he goes and he delivers he, he with the Lord through the lord's power he delivers egypt okay but that's all centered on moses taking that one opportunity to do something after he's lost it all so yeah. just do something even if even if you don't feel like you're ready to or or that you should leave the church start getting comfortable with doing those home sacraments again start getting comfortable with teaching your kids again Do not abrogate that responsibility and, quite frankly, that blessing to anybody else. Um, I was in the church during COVID for a small time early on. Well, no, I can't say that. I was out before then. But it was during that same time in COVID where I was watching certain people really dwindle in in disbelief and Mm -hmm. activity in the gospel. Mine stayed pretty consistent. In fact, it ramped up because now my kids, well, they could ask me anything because I'm I'm just their dad. Right. And so we had some very profound gospel conversations because it was just him, you know, me and the kids and 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 their mom. So so get used to that. There's blessings to be found there. Not only is there responsibility, there's blessings, but do something.
1: And there's power. There really is. The Lord qualifies those He calls, and if you're willing, to, if you're willing to put in the effort, I, I am 100 confident the Lord's got your back. Yeah, He's uh, always had mine, and I've screwed up, and I've made mistakes. Dude, I've so even, have I. I've even like completely misunderstood what God wanted me to do at times, and He didn't condemn me. He wasn't offended and said, "Hey, um, I don't want anything to do with you anymore because right. you screwed up on this issue." should have left it you should have followed some other guy and let let him be let him bear that burden yeah no the lord took me back into his arms so you got we've got nothing to lose there's, no. there's nothing to lose and there's so much to gain and and the world the lord needs us so Absolutely. The world. and if, if you look if you're looking around in the world today and it breaks your heart seeing the suffering and, and and the tragedies that are happening, you know, we've got people sick and losing family members to COVID or vaccines. We've got these children being taken from parents, and and the horrible things being done to children. If you're looking around in the world and that and that bothers you, you know, with an eye single to God's glory, you can you, you can make a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the, Lord,
1: I think the Lord's calling you. Yep. If those things are, are important to you and they and they touch your heart, I think the Lord's calling you. Absolutely. Just Don't make an idol out of it. That's that leads to. That's the only way you screw that up. And Correct. even if you do, though, you can still repent.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: So. Absolutely. It's what we're here to do. We're here to figure stuff out. Figure out who we are. And figure out if, if, you know, well, ultimately, are we are we going to do the things the Lord tells us to do? And again, another perfect example, Nephi, right? Go and get those plates. Right. He wasn't qualified to do that. He wasn't prepared to do that.
0: No, you're talking about a military operation.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine anything more terrifying. Uh, personally, I don't think I would have handled it as well as Nephi did. But hey, you know what? Even that's okay. And Nephi didn't have it all figured out. He didn't have a plan. Well, he did have a plan. And what 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 happened? Oh, it it he fell on his he fell flat on his face. You know, right. let's buy the plates from him. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Didn't work, but it was a good idea. But right. He, that's
0: okay. He did something. It didn't did work. Something. And he then the Lord it
1: didn't work.
0: Yeah. And then the Lord was like, okay, you're willing to, to try. Now let me give you this.
2: Yeah.
1: Let me show
0: you how I'm glad you're willing to try. Yeah. Show you how now. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and we have covered some dark stuff, right? But I think the big takeaway should be here is that it's vital that you don't abrogate your responsibilities to anybody else. Do not make an idol of people or institutions. They're going to fail you, but it's, at the end it's a message of hope because you you are enough and especially if you're here listening to Justin and I talk you didn't get here by accident you might think it was an accident but you're listening to this for a reason and i'm guessing it's because you got some work that you got to do just know the lord has your back in that and do something and from there i promise i can bear testimony that the doors will start opening and the plans will start coming And you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Keep some humor about it. Be humble. And the Lord will see you through on it.
1: Absolutely. Amen.
0: All right. Justin, as always, dude, it's a good one. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. I enjoy having you. All right, Justin, we'll talk to you later. I love you, big guy. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. You're listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast.